This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. So we continue our saunter through the the book of Luke. Um, 120, I think that's a couple of years we've been going for. We're in Luke 21 now, so I I get the privilege of uh, starting us off in Luke 21 with the first four verses, um, which is uh, the widow and her mites. Okay, so Luke 21, uh, 1 to 4. So just to set some context here. So we're in Passover week, okay? We're in Jerusalem. Jesus is in Jerusalem with his disciples. It's literally the closing few days before he's crucified and rises again from the dead. So uh, Jerusalem is packed full of uh, pilgrims. There's going to be a lot of people in Jerusalem at this point in time. A busy, busy place. And... uh, We're reading the first four verses of Luke 21. Okay. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. So, this, this verse begins with the word and, okay? And generally speaking, if, if you, generally speaking, if you start with the word and, you really ought to be looking at what went before. So, uh, chapter boundaries were actually put in like a thousand years after Christ, okay? Um, so, originally, this would have just read on from Luke 20 into Luke 21. So, if we look at the last few verses of Luke 20... So 47 and 48, uh, which Mark covered uh, last week. Uh, It says this, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes. Love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts. Who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater damnation, greater condemnation, sorry. And then we can go on again into Luke 21 again. So, and he looked. So, and he looked. So, he, he's just been talking about the scribes. He's been talking about them potentially uh, this, I don't know how widespread it was, that they devour widows' houses. And then he's talking about a certain poor widow. Now, for me, that's pushing coincidence. Um, and there's, there is there's some, there's some controversy, but... Uh, this lady that's putting in these, these two mites into the temple treasury, has she lost her home? Did, did, did the scribes devour her home? Um, and I'll talk a bit, bit more about that in a minute. So the, the, the treasury that's spoken of here is the temple treasury. And you might remember, those of you that were here a few weeks ago, um, well, Sue had, had a picture of the temple um, and there's the, the, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, where in you know 
20-odd something AD. There's a, a huge open area, which is called the Court of the Gentiles. And then there's two smaller areas. One which is called the Court of Women. And I forget what the inner one's called. But anyway, the Court of the Women is where the Temple Treasury was. And in there, apparently, it's not in Scripture, but it's outside of Scripture, there were these chests. There were 13 of them in which you could put your money. Um, and they, they had like funnels that were narrow at the top and wide at the bottom. So if you like, the, the, the chests were like 13 trumpets. Um, they each had different purposes. Um, and the, the widow here, it, the, the translation that I'm using here, the New King James, talks about mites. Uh, in the Greek, it's leptons. It's literally two tiny copper coins or two very small coins. Um, so you can imagine people with their, with their gold coins going in, tossing them into these trumpets and it going clunk, clunk as it hits the bottom. And then this, this poor widow, she's got her two coins and it goes clink, clink. So you get, you get the idea, don't you? Okay. So what emotions was going on in this woman as she did this? We don't know, but Jesus is pointing her out as a comparison uh, with the rich people that were just giving it out of their wealth. And she was basically giving effectively all that she had away. So I just want to pick up on a number of things uh, out of that passage. So the first one really is that Jesus was watching. Okay, there's, there's, there's another passage, a parallel passage. I've got Mark 21 here. There isn't a Mark 21. So, so <laughs> maybe Matthew 21. Yeah, Matthew 21, 41. Anyway, the word used that, there for Jesus looking at this lady was that he was absolutely looking intently at her. Okay, looking really intently. Um, and Jesus does the same today. Okay, it's, it's, sometimes we don't think he's looking, all right? But he, he looks, okay? I, I used to have a piece of paper above my television which said, would Jesus watch this? Ooh. <laughs> I've taken it down. <laughs> don't like to be reminded all the time. <laughs> now that's me being honest with you, okay? <clears throat> so anyway, uh, I heard about a minister one time and he was going to uh, preach a message on giving. And um, they, in his church they had a plate or a bag which they passed around for the offering. And what he did is he got off the stage and uh, as they were passing the bag around, he, he, he walked behind one of the ushers and he was kind of curiously looking to see what people were putting in the bag. And obviously, you know, not, not that you would react this way, I'm quite sure, but many people in his church were deeply offended at that. But he was making a point and the point he was making is that Jesus knows. Okay, you might, you might think you're doing it in secret, but Jesus knows. Jesus sees, and Jesus knows our heart. Now, I don't want people to feel condemned by me saying that, but that's the reality. <laughs> and, um, but anyway, that's, we'll talk about amounts and all that sort of stuff in a minute. Okay, another thing, don't judge by the outward appearance. Um, it's very easy to see people being extravagant in their giving. Um, and actually, we don't know people's hearts. And only God knows people's hearts. And in a sense, I'd almost encourage us as God's people not to judge others in any realm of human experience, really. Um, 
but there was no, apart from the plink plink, I guess, there was, people could just look at this woman and think, oh, she's not giving very much. What they don't know is actually she's given her all. She's giving everything. I mean, I've never done that. (laughs) Incredible. (laughs) Okay. And then don't make a show. I think that's another thread, really, that Jesus is kind of underscoring to us in this. Um, In Matthew, yes, in Matthew 6, it says this. uh, Take heed that you do not your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. They have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Incredible, isn't it? So um, I tend to use the King James. That's the Bible I tend to use for my personal study. Now it has this phrase, alms. Uh, The New King James here uses this phrase, charitable deeds. And it literally means compassionateness. So it's acts of compassion. Um, and the exhortation here really is, don't shout from the rooftops what we do. Um, yeah, don't go there, Dave. <laughs> no, I've opened the can, haven't I? So uh, I, I remember uh, preaching one time many years ago uh, on giving, and I was quite judgmental about churches that where uh, you have buckets that are passed around. And you can come down the front, and there's the, the giving's a big show. Okay. Now, for me personally, I feel quite uncomfortable about that. So I, I preached against it. I'm not going to preach against it, but I feel uncomfortable uh, with that as a mode of operation. And the reason I feel uncomfortable with that is because of what it says here. The exhortation here is to to, to give in secret, essentially. Um, so so. When you come here in the morning or at the end of the service and you see a QR code on the, on the screen here, you can scan that QR code and no one knows, okay? I mean, okay, maybe the treasurer knows, but that's between you and God. Um, yeah, okay. So, uh, controversy. So, reading some of the commentators, there seemed to be some controversy about what point Jesus was making. Uh, around uh, this lady Um, and one of the controversies is was she in some way obliged to give everything away so was there some law that she was obeying that compelled her to give everything away Um, it it doesn't say um, and also I mean as I said there were 13 trumpets the trumpets had different purposes so we don't know which trumpet she was putting her coins into so we don't know so it's a question that Christians need to ask themselves are we ever called to give things or are we ever called to give everything away and one of the things that you see in the early church is they changed their behavior okay to start with people were giving everything away but as time went by the practicality of that came home 
And later on in the letters, they're not giving everything away. Because if you give everything away, you just become a burden on those around you, don't you? So we have some guidance as Christians what to give. But I just want to open up that subject a little bit about giving everything away and how I don't believe that's the call to the Christian today. Um, Although the early church was doing it. So a couple of passages from uh, the book of Acts. Uh, uh, Sorry, chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Incredible, isn't it? Now was there anyone among them, this is Acts 4 now, nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distribute to each as everyone or as anyone had need. So, right at the early door, right in early doors, when the church was in its infancy, people are basically giving everything away, and they thought Jesus was coming back. I mean, they, they they thought he was coming back. You know, days, weeks, a few months, maybe a few years. But as the years clocked by, you can start to see the practicality of that becoming a problem and a different mode of operation coming into play. So in 1 Timothy, it says this in verse 8. If anyone does not provide for his own, especially those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And then in verse 16, it goes on. If any uh, believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them and do not let the church be burdened that it may relieve those who are really widows. So now what we see is we see basically uh, God's people being challenged. Make sure you're looking after your own family, okay? Uh, And your relatives, so that the church is not burdened, so that the church can look after those people that are in genuine need. Um, And then uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 says this, For even when we were with you, we commended you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. That's quite a challenge, isn't it? For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. So there's a challenge again. So one of the things that was happening is people were basically becoming Christians so essentially they could sponge off the church. Um, So there was a a growing problem where you had people that just thought they they were there for a free ride. So hence why Paul has to to come with this exhortation. If you're not working, you don't eat. That's a challenge. But praise God. So, is God calling people to give everything away? I don't believe he is. Okay? Not, not as a general principle. Not as a general principle. There might be specific situations or specific cases, but as a general principle, God is not asking us to do that. Um, and that's the reason why. So, what do we do then as God's people? What, what, should, what should we give? Okay, if we're not giving everything away, what should we give? very quiet in this Presbyterian church. Um, so I think the best 
best passage for me personally is 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. So just starting out in verse 7 and 8, first of all. So this is the guidance I think we have. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. Let each one give as he is purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. Okay. As he has purposed in his heart. So we decide in our heart before God what we're going to give. Okay, in any situation. Um, don't feel emotionally manipulated. Don't feel compelled. Uh, walk as God would want you to. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Uh, so there's a hint there that as we, as we give, so it, it helps God, and he gives back to us in some way. I'll talk a bit about that in a minute. So as he has purpose in his heart, so give, let me give you an example here. You go to a Christian conference, all right? Um, I don't know about you, but Christian conferences I go to that typically come out of America, I'm not condemning the Americans, I love them, all right? But typically there'll be a 20-minute message on, as part of the giving, and then there's the actual sermon. Now, if you go into a Christian conference, you know it's going to happen, okay? You, you know you're going to get a 20-minute message on giving. So, decide beforehand, all right? Decide beforehand. You know there's going to be a message on giving. They're going to have a collection anyway whether they give a 20-minute message or not. So decide beforehand. And then, when you're in that situation, you aren't being manipulated, you're not being um, responding with a knee-jerk reaction. You've considered before God and you're giving in that way, and that's absolutely the right thing to do. Mind you, I have seen, heard some incredible testimonies as well in these 20-minute sermons. So I'm not knocking it too much, but I'm just using that as an illustration. Okay. Okay. Okay, another challenge. You're a pastor or an elder in a church, and uh, a poor widow comes to you, and she's going to give you two copper coins. And you know... That's everything she has. What do you do? What do you do? It's a real challenge, isn't it? Um, so, 2 Corinthians 9 is about financial giving. Okay? Let's go back and look at verse 6 in 2 Corinthians 9. And it says this. But this I say... He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So what's the context? The context is financial giving. Okay? So if you want apples, you plant apples. Okay? You can't plant apples and get pears. Okay? So the context of this passage is financial giving. And it says... If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Well, hang on a minute, Brother Dave. All right, I, I love hope. I come here a lot. 
but you're starting to sound like one of them prosperity teachers now, right? And I'm not sure I feel very comfortable with you sharing that. Well, first of all, that's a plain reading of the text. Okay, the plain reading of the text. The context is financial giving. If we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. And what I say is this. There is a massive amount of need in this world. Okay? You, you just switch your TV on for two minutes. Okay? There are Christians that are finding themselves uh, in deep trouble and ending up in courts and stuff like that. And that requires money. Okay? I'm sorry, but it does. Because that's the way the world works. Where are you going with this, Dave? So what I'm saying is that if you don't want to believe God for an abundance in your life, I would encourage you, please, 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 don't stand against what God wants to do for you. Receive the abundance and give most of it away. Okay, if you, if you can live on a small amount, do so, please, and give the rest away. Because the kingdom of God uh, on earth needs money to do stuff. And it needs God's people to believe like this so that as we're giving, we're giving into you know, where God tells us to give and we're giving and we're giving and we're giving and, and we give as, as generously as we can. That's what we try to do. So is that prosperity teaching? I don't, I don't like to use that phrase. Okay? Does God want to bless us? Yes, God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing. If you like, God wants... You and me to be a pipe. He wants to be able to put stuff in, but he want, it just comes straight out the other end. Okay? So if he can trust us, he put the stuff in so it keeps coming out. What he doesn't want is he doesn't want us to be a big lake. Okay? Because if you're a big lake, what do you do? What's that phrase I've heard? Okay. What is it the world does? The world tries to get all it can. It cans all it gets, and then it sits on a can. Right? <laughs> Let's work that one out, right? But basically, it's like the, the guy who building the big storehouses, wasn't it, in, uh, in Scripture, you know? He's just, he just needed a bigger storehouse, and he's just putting all this stuff in a big storehouse. And God is wanting us to be pipes. Uh, God is wanting us to be pipes. And expecting God to bless you in your giving is very scriptural. It's not American, all right? It's not American, okay? But unfortunately, a lot of people have seen some bad things. They've, they've heard bad situations. And it's given God's word a bad name, all right? That's the plain reading of the text. He wants us to be a blessing so that we can be a blessing. Cool. Okay, that sort of gives me very neatly... Uh, closing up so um, one of the things I want to encourage if, if, you, if you're here and, and you're a parent you have children um, encourage them to start giving okay? encourage them to develop a habit of giving I've heard people say Dave you know when I win the lottery I'll give a million pounds you know not that I'm a betting man I used to be a betting man I'm not a betting man 
but I'd be willing to bet <laughs> you probably wouldn't give a million pounds because if you're not giving now, you won't give when you've got a million or when you've got a million to give. Okay, so we give with what we've got and I would just, you know, when, when our kids were at home, we encouraged them, we encouraged them as, as to give out of their pocket money. As a man has purposed in his heart, so let him give, okay? So that the kids would decide what they would give. We, we would not have a conversation with them. We just said, this is between you and God. You decide, you go do it, all right? And you give into, you know, where you want. Sorry. <laughs> I was just... <clears throat> I just remembered um, what one of our kids saved her giving to give into a specific ministry. Incredible. Very touching. <laughs> Sorry, I'm touched. <clears throat> yeah, so develop a habit of giving. Okay, God wants us to develop a habit of giving. So that, you know, as our income increases, hopefully, um, so we can give more than not just more in amount, but more as a proportion, ideally. So that's, our, that's God's challenge to us. So this morning, uh, if, you don't, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're not a Christian, then I'm not, you know, it doesn't apply, does it? But if you're a Christian and you don't already have a habit of giving, I would say start to develop a habit of giving. As a man has purposed in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And a Greek word for cheerful there come is hilaron. Hilaron. From which I believe we get the word hilarious. So God loves a cheerful giver. Praise God. So I hope I've given you something to think about today, and I hope you've got some stuff out of this passage that you might not have got before. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Praise him. Mm. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Yeah, Father, Lord, I just thank and praise you for the, the challenge of uh, this certain widow. And, Lord, it, it challenges each one of us in different ways. Um, Lord, if we don't have a habit of giving, maybe it challenges us to a habit of giving. Lord, if or maybe we could give more, but we're not. Maybe it challenges us to give more. Maybe it challenges us to give up certain things and give. Um, but Lord, I also pray too for people who are in desperate situations financially. Uh, they may be in a lot of debt. Uh, or maybe don't even have enough money to eat this week. Uh, they're maybe watching online or maybe even in this church. And uh, Lord, I would just pray right now that they would see their need met in Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. And uh, yeah, they would not lose out this week. They would not not eat this week. They would eat this week because you're a good God. In Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. And people said, Amen. Praise God. <laughs>